Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. I want to talk today about overcoming evil. Uh, evil is a word we don't use a lot in our day. Uh, in everyday conversation, it sounds kind of like ancient or uh, melodramatic, or maybe it's not very scientific. Uh, or it'll be in a movie with a comic villain, Dr. Evil. Uh, we're just not sure what to do with it. A leading media personality had a conference on the subject of evil. Uh, it was in Aspen, Colorado. Uh, most of the participants at the conference did not believe evil actually exists. Which, by the way, if you're going to go somewhere to consider the possibility of human evil, Aspen, Colorado is probably not the right place to go for that. Uh, in the past couple of years, I mean, we've experienced evil in different forms. Uh, COVID racism, hate crimes, school shootings, opioid overdoses are at an all-time high. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. The Taliban takes over Afghanistan, mass ethnic killings in Ethiopia, the, the killings of Uyghur people in China. 2021 was the worst year ever for online child sexual abuse. I mean, our world is facing unprecedented humanitarian emergencies, including uh, famine and civil war in parts of Africa, to economic and, and hunger crisis in parts of South America, to uh, Yemen, where 80% of the population is in need of aid, and they worry more about hunger than COVID-19, uh, to Syria, which is the the deadliest country in the world for humanitarians, where it's common for there to be attacks on aid workers and hospitals. There's also the suppression of the church in India and China. And all of this at a time of just uniquely painful divisions in our own country. A friend of mine was saying, it's almost like we're having this global experience of post-traumatic stress disorder, and it's hard to even absorb. See, these events are not just suffering. This is evil. And you can't just put on this false hope and wish things would be different or pretend things are not as bad as they are. Uh, we need to make sense of and learn to live with hope in a world that is full of evil. Yet we're haunted by these questions. You know, what is evil? Where does it come from? Will it triumph? Uh, how can it be overcome? And above all, how do we live in a world where evil wrecks havoc? Now, unlike a lot of people, including a lot of thinkers in our culture, the writers of scripture, Jesus in particular, were very familiar with the subject of evil. And we need to talk about this. Uh, evil at its core is quite simple. It is to will the bad. You know, love is to will the good, uh, to intend and, and work for good in someone else's life. Evil, then, is its contrary, you know, to will the bad. Uh, it's not particularly mysterious or confusing. It is just to will the bad. Now, God is love, 
And his kingdom, as we've been learning, is this sphere where his will is done. And his kingdom, above all else, is the kingdom of love. And that means to indulge evil, to choose evil, is to oppose God's kingdom. Uh, that's why the, the, in the Lord's uh, prayer where Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done, God make up there, come down here, he also says, deliver us from evil. Now, evil is different than uh, psychopathology. Uh, it's different than uh, mental health problems. Uh, although, of course, evil is mentally unhealthy. Uh, evil doesn't just happen uh, to us, it happens in us. The great Christian thinker, uh, Soren Kierkegaard, uh, wrote an amazing book called The Sickness Unto Death. And he talks about how evil progresses. You know, we suffer pain and hurt. We get bullied or mistreated. We all do. Uh, we brood on it and turn it over and over and heap all of our passion on this pain until it becomes what Kierkegaard calls demonic rage. Now, at this point, demonic rage, uh, I don't even want to be delivered from this pain. It's become my identity my being uh, the victim of this mistreatment from other people is what makes me superior to other people. And then he says, when evil is fully formed, a person lives simply to inflict pain on others, to vomit pain out on them as his accusation against existence, against God himself. You see, that's evil. Now, we don't know the full story of the genetic complexities or the, the history of mistreatment for any one person. And that's why Jesus says we're not supposed to judge. Uh, but we do know some things about evil. We know evil is real, regardless of our ability to deny it from time to time. And we know that the, the line between good and evil runs through every human soul. You see, we all make choices all the time sometimes without an awareness that good and evil are actually at war in our souls. So I sin, and then I justify not confessing my sin or making things right, and then I find a way to bury that uh, so that I kind of forget about it, and then sin after sin kind of compounds moment after moment like some kind of terrible interest on our souls. And the writers of scripture, and Jesus in particular, say our great problem is not ignorance. It lies at the will, not, not the intellect. It's simply this, to will the bad. And only a leader, only a thinker who is able to account for evil, who can explain it and then provide a way to not be overcome by it, is worthy of a human follower. And I believe, we believe as a church, Jesus is simply unrivaled in the way that he has done this. Jesus' follower, Paul, wrote this at the end of one of the great passages of moral, spiritual truth uh, in human literature. Paul says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, this gets to why evil is the core problem. Uh, any other force or damage can only happen to you. Uh, bullying, sickness, injury, insult, or death. None of those can separate you from the love of God. Uh, the follower of Jesus over the centuries has laughed at every one of those. 
Being overcome by evil is the ultimate tragedy that can befall a human being. Nothing else comes close. Suffering happens to you. Evil happens in you. Evil will claim your thoughts. Evil will twist your desires. Evil will uh, corrupt your will. Evil will damn your soul. And I know that language sounds odd in our day, uh, but that says more about our day than it does about those realities. So whose job is it to fight evil? It's the church's job to fight evil. Now, we all understand there are organizations that do a lot of good things. They go after uh, poverty, illiteracy, hunger, or making you know, better, safer communities. Uh, it's the church's task to battle evil. And the very fact that that sounds laughable in our day is an indicator of the tremendous need. Where is the battle fought? This battle between good and evil. This is not a battle where uh, you know, we're in the church and we're the good guys and we go out and fight the bad guys. Like this battle is not in Afghanistan. It's not in Washington, DC or Hollywood, California. It's not out there, it's in here. The line between good and evil runs through every human heart. That's why evil cannot be overcome by evil or hate or even by force, which is always the world's way. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Through violence, you may murder the hater, but you do not murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. So it goes. Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So how is this battle fought? Overcome evil with good, within your soul, your will, your mind, your body. It is the soul alive and trusting in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of love that can be delivered from evil and can be a little part of overcoming evil with good. So now we come to these words of Jesus that mark the end of the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, these are very strange words. Uh, they're strange because they violate the mental map most of us have about reality. And we have to talk with kingdom talk about our mental maps. You know, generally my mental map is, if I'm gonna have the good life, other people must like me. Uh, they must approve of me, they must think well of me, they must uh, boost my sense of self-esteem, they must do what I want them to do. Uh, my kids must get into the right schools where they earn grades, which they will attribute to my genetic excellence and superior parenting. Uh, if I want a spouse, I must have one who is attractive and supportive and a skilled mind reader. Uh, my boss must uh, give me raises. My friends must sing my praises. My customers must happily buy my products. My neighbors should write notes of gratitude that they get to live near me. And then we run into reality. We run into people and it's painful. 
I want to give you a definition of reality, uh, but to set it up, I want you to watch this brief video. All right, here's the definition. And this is from Dallas Willard. Reality is what you run into when you're wrong. And just to illustrate how important reality is, I want you to watch this video one more time, this time in slow motion, just for your viewing pleasure. This woman has no idea her mental map of reality is wrong. And it's not just wrong once or twice, but three times. You know, sometimes the most important reality is unseen reality. Now, in our day, we're often skeptical about the human capacity to know reality. Like, if you go to Stanford or Cal and ask them, like, where is the Department of Reality? It turns out they don't have one. Uh, they don't have a Department of Good and Evil or a Department of Reality. But Jesus did. Jesus does. See, we all have beliefs about how things are. We all have a, a theory of reality, whether we want to or not. You cannot act, you cannot live without one. I have a mental map, like I am who others say I am. Like other people must do what I want them to do. Like if I don't get treated the way that I want by others, it'll be unbearable. And then we run into the glass door. Other people don't actually revolve around my idea of reality. Jesus says when evil comes, when people mistreat you or are mean to you, you can be blessed in an evil happening world if you're living in the kingdom of heaven. All right, in a moment, we're gonna talk about what this means for us practically. I love what Dallas Willard said that reality is what you run into when you're wrong. Raise your hand if you've experienced that. When you run into reality, it can be painful and difficult. That's why I believe it's critical to have people around you who have your back in this fight against evil. That kind of relationship is found when you're in community with others. This is why we are passionate about small groups, where you can pursue authentic relationships and experience spiritual growth. Small groups are where connections are made, relationships are developed, conversations can get real, and you're taking next steps in your journey with Jesus that shape your mental map. New small groups are beginning, and I encourage you not to miss this opportunity to connect with others who are pursuing a life in the kingdom of heaven just like you. Experience for yourself why life is better connected with others. The registration is now open at blueoakschurch.org. Click the latest news, then scroll down to small groups. And if you're curious about group leadership, you can let us know on that same page. I'd love to speak with you more about it. Let's rejoin Matt and discover how to be blessed amid the evil that surrounds you. Okay, so Jesus says we can be blessed in a world filled with evil if we're living in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, now, what does this mean for us practically? It means, first of all, I must learn to live in a kingdom perspective. And I want to talk about this for a few moments. Most people, when they hear the word heaven, think of someplace like really far away. Uh, which do you think is farther away, heaven or Fresno? 
Before you answer that question, look at a few verses in the Bible. I mean, we could look at dozens of them to talk about this. This is, this is from uh, Genesis. When a woman named Hagar was desperately alone with her little boy, this is what we're told. God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, do not be afraid. Years later, Abraham was about to sacrifice his son, Isaac. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the boy. Now, in each of these passages and many more like them in the Bible, heaven is here because God is here and God interacts with us. Now, this is Jesus's mental map of reality. A huge problem for us living in the kingdom is we think of God as far away and our universe being filled with like empty, lonely space and we feel alone. I wanna share an analogy from a Dallas Willard that was very helpful for me about how uh, spirit and space relate to each other. This is uh, the department of reality. Uh, years ago in the Soviet Union, there was a scientific institute where the brains of communist leaders would be analyzed under microscopes. Uh, they hoped to find the secret of great communist personalities in their great communist brains. Uh, of course, they found no secrets there because you don't find a person that way. If you took your body apart uh, one atom at a time looking for you, you would never find it that way. You would never find you that way. And see, from the viewpoint of a single atom, your body would just be like vast, mostly empty space. And yet you inhabit your body. You can use your body to express yourself and your spirit. The, the eyes are the window of your soul. Now, roughly speaking, God inhabits all of space like you inhabit your body. You see, he is everywhere. There is nowhere where he is not. This is the kingdom of the heavens. Paul is quoting a, a Greek poet in Acts 17 when he says, for in him, God, we live and move and have our being closer than the air you breathe. And when we live in a world filled with evil, we learn to live in the perspective of the reality and availability of the kingdom. Uh, perspective will always determine your response. Let me give you an example of perspective from a letter that a college girl sent to her parents. Uh, Dear mom and dad, I have so much to tell you. Because of the fire set off by the student riots, I experienced temporary lung damage and had to go to the hospital. And while I was there, I fell in love with a medical assistant and we moved in together. Uh, I dropped out of school when I found out I was pregnant. Uh, he got fired because of his drinking. And so we're going to move to Alaska where we might get married after the birth of the baby. <laughs> Signed, your loving daughter. P.S. None of that really happened, but I did flunk my chemistry class and I wanted you to keep it in perspective. See, perspective is always a matter of stepping back so that you can take in the larger picture. Perspective means putting things in their proper place. And that's what Jesus does. He doesn't say, now that I'm here, you won't have these problems anymore. He doesn't say, uh, if you're a good Christian, everyone will like you. He doesn't say, if you find a good enough church, all the people in it will be emotionally healthy. What he says is, if you're living in the kingdom, 
You're no longer living at the mercy of what other people think of you or how they treat you. Other people or circumstances cannot threaten your ultimate well-being with your father, even if they're mean to you, even if they kill you. You see, this is part of the good news of the kingdom. This world is a perfectly safe place for you to be. Seriously? With war, famine, COVID, genocide, suicide, seriously? This is Jesus's claim. And this is not a naive claim. This is a claim of a man who got crucified. This world is a perfectly safe place for you to be because of where God is. This just then from the Department of Reality, God is closer than the air you breathe. So we live now in a new perspective that God is always here. This is the kingdom. And then when evil happens, we learn to live without judging other people. Don't judge. And this goes so deep into us. I was on a, a flight one time and a kid behind me was a seat kicker. Uh, I finally turned around just to let his mom know that I knew he was kicking my seat and it bothered me and that I considered her responsible. Uh, she looked at me and was very apologetic and she asked her son to apologize, but he would have nothing of it. Uh, now, uh, was this little boy evil? <laughs> well, maybe a little bit. But here's what was interesting inside of me. I wanted to judge his mother. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. It's fascinating. There's a whole field of research in psychology called the fundamental attribution error. And you can sum it up like this. When I see someone else doing something wrong, I tend to attribute it not to their having tough circumstances, but to there being a, a character flaw in them. However, when I find myself doing something wrong, I tend to attribute it not to me having bad character, but to me having difficult circumstances. If it's my kid kicking the seat, I think of how heroically patient I'm being trying to correct behavior this child has clearly inherited from their mother's side of the gene pool. And Jesus says, just get out of the judging game. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't discern good from evil. It means we don't use contempt as a tool to navigate relationships. I'm no longer in charge of the department of straight straightening people out. God is. This week, if you're at the store and a person behind the counter is unfriendly, you don't have to be unfriendly back. You can think maybe they've had a difficult day or maybe they've had a difficult upbringing. I could try to bring them joy. When your family is together and your crazy Uncle Kenny starts to say crazy Uncle Kenny things, you don't have to roll your eyes. I mean, you don't have to get sarcastic. You can just smile and say, Uncle Kenny, Jesus loves you and God knows I'm trying. <laughs> and then another thing, if you're living now in the reality of the kingdom, uh, you don't have to be afraid when evil comes your way. This is what the apostle Paul wrote. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. It is the Lord who judges me. A lot of times when people are mistreated, they feel wounded or they're afraid of a, a confrontation and so they fear and then they placate, they pretend to agree and then they go into avoidance mode. 
Now, in the kingdom, you don't have to respond out of fear because God is right there. In 1955, a Sunday school teaching Jesus follower named Rosa Parks was told she had to move to the back of the bus because of the color of her skin. She said no, and they put her in jail. She got threatening phone calls and death threats. She lost her job a few weeks later. They said it wasn't because of the boycott. They were just firing her. She followed the Savior who said, this world can throw you into jail, but it's a perfectly safe place to be because they cannot separate you from the love of God. She was used by God in that moment to, to inspire a nation. You know, when she died at age 92, she was the first woman to lie in state in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. 30,000 people stood in line to pay their respects to this woman who was not allowed to sit in the front of the bus. She was a living example of living in this different kind of kingdom. Now, you see, we live in the kingdom of our friend Jesus. And that also means when evil comes our way, like we don't retaliate. We don't automatically try to inflict pain back. Paul put it like this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. So many times I might think someone is trying to be mean to me and that may not be their intent at all. Like how often do I get defensive? I think someone is attacking me and really that's probably not their intent at all. This week, if you feel hurt, Don't immediately jump to the conclusion about the intent of the other person. This week, let's first just stop and listen and pray and ask, God, is there something that I can learn here? And if you do experience evil this week, remember, don't repay evil for evil. Don't repay insult for insult. Don't repay hurt for hurt. Don't repay pain for pain. Overcome evil with good. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, say all kinds of evil things about you falsely. Really? Well, you have to decide what you believe. But I'll tell you, those were not just words to Jesus. You see, he was the kingdom in our midst. He was persecuted his whole life long. Herod tried to kill him when he was a baby. His family had to flee Egypt because of him when he was a boy. At his first sermon in Luke 4, the congregation got offended and they tried to stone him. He was accused of being a a drunkard and a glutton. He was called a half-breed and a Samaritan. People said he was uh, in league with the devil. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. The religious leaders who should have embraced him condemned him. The crowds mocked him. The soldiers beat him. The Romans crucified him. This is Jesus. Ask yourself this question. What other historical figure has been portrayed as the victim of more insults, more slander, more hostility, more rejection, uh, greater shame, deeper failure, worse evil than this man, Jesus, who said, blessed are you? We're told when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the crowd mocked him. They used his own words. This man saved others. Hey, save yourself. You're the savior guy. I wonder in those moments, in that crowd, if people said or thought, blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you, when people say all kinds of evil against you. Jesus didn't look very blessed then, hanging on the cross, did he? 
You see, that's what Rome did. That's how our world operates. Someone threatens you, you threaten them back. Someone gets you, you get them back. Someone hurts you, you hurt them worse. In Rome, when someone threatened them, when someone got in their way, they would execute them. They would hang them on a cross at a place called Calvary. That's the way the world works. And yet in the midst of this kind of world, Jesus says to you and to me, blessed are you in the kingdom of my father. Blessed are you when evil comes your way, when you're hurt, when you're confused, when you're perplexed, blessed are you. Because that's the good news of the kingdom of God. All right, let me pray for you and then Michaela and the team will lead us in a closing song. God, I pray that you would help us this week as we reflect on the truth of your word. God, help us to uh, repay evil with good. God, help us to be discerning as we interact with other people. Help us not to judge other people, but to actually hear from your Holy Spirit and to respond in a way that is in line with your word and your will and your ways for our lives. Help us to repay evil with good, not evil for evil, not hurt for hurt. God, help us to live in the reality of your kingdom. Help us to live as if you are here with us. You're closer than the air we breathe. So we can rely on your your counsel and your guidance and your wisdom and direction. And, um, and we can live this way. We can live in your kingdom. We can live in this reality. Help us to, to learn more about it. Help us to study it so that we can uh, live in the kingdom of heaven. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.